0: What is up, my people? Welcome to Fellowship Bible Church's Sermon Spotlight, where we are coming at you each and every week with a fresh service to debrief in an effort to send biblical truth. What better way to do that than by the power of conversation? I'm Mark Francis, once again in the host seat for today, and uh, I know Caleb Pearson will be joining us once again next week, so I got a chance to see that little nugget today. Mm-hmm. And um, yeah, I'm about that. Caleb. <laughs> not Caleb, <laughs> no. no, not Caleb, thankfully. No, but um, all is well nugget. with Caleb, Hannah, and you the scared baby. Scared me there for a minute. Then. <laughs> you have heard them already, <laughs> laughing and mocking Caleb. That's amazing, I love it. Ben Sanford with Fresh Haircut, hey. how are you? Good, how are you? Good, thanks for being here once again yeah. on a busy Easter week. Mm-hmm. So get your mind into the uh, sermon spotlight yeah, we're seat getting right there. Here. here we are. <laughs> and then once surely. again with us, Senior Pastor Mark Harry. How are you? Good,
1: very good. Yep.
0: All right. Where is your mind these days? With a busy schedule and uh, you know preparing for Easter, and this, is it
1: different for you this week at
0: all? <laughs> well, with
1: a mind, my, a mind like mine, that uh, <laughs> nothing really changes a whole lot. Um, <laughs> Not much going on. No, no <laughs> oh. it's pretty, pretty calm waters. <laughs> Depends on the day. It. Um, yeah no it's 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 a busy weekend coming up but we had a busy yeah. weekend last weekend yeah. And, yeah. And, and yeah it's good yeah part of it. well it's, oh, it's exciting I mean yeah. I love Easter I love Easter uh, resurrection morning mm-hmm. I love uh, we're, of course we'll do the FSAT service as well but I don't know it's just uh yeah you see a lot of people you know we there's a lot of folks that come but uh it is um it is the foundation of our faith, yeah. the resurrection, yeah. and um, so it's it's fun to celebrate.
2: Yeah,
0: and, and hopefully this conversation can be a tool for you guys watching and listening to continue to meditate on, um, you know, what this weekend means to us, what it means for the cross, and to you personally, and just having personal times of worship. I think during the course of the week to prepare for Good Friday and Easter is is part of that process. So hopefully you do it every week but this week of the year this is the time to do it more like than any other so let's get into the conversation because um we have a lot to unpack here in acts chapter 12 um ben I'll come to you first just uh, give us your your takeaway you know without really unpacking the whole sermon what what was a nugget that stood out to you that um you know that was a takeaway for you from this past ser- sermon this past, past weeks sermon just yeah, spit it out
2: yeah yeah I think um, I think maybe something to wrestle with for me was was. I mean this is not new to us, right, but the idea that the Lord took one guy home and kept one here hmm. and and with that comes, I think another reminder um, that from a human perspective, there's a maybe a temptation to think of that as as cruel or flippant or you know, given our perspective of of death and life and mortality and um, I think it's hard to come to terms with some of those things. but man, the more that I'm reminded of the goodness of God, the sovereignty of God is a is a easy pill to swallow because what his purposes are in that is good. It's for their good, it was, or it was for their good, it's for our good, and, and ultimately his glory. So, and how the, the church around them,
0: with just looking at the text, handled that, you know, <clears throat> yeah. That yeah, maybe there is some sort of reaction to James's death mm-hmm. in a way that caused them to come more to their knees in prayer. Yeah, and we don't know what they're praying, like you said, Mark, and can't fully interject, but uh, it, there is. There is that level of fervent prayer that was going on in the church for Peter, because they thought that his death was imminent.
1: Yeah, and we don't know if the passage doesn't fill us in. We don't understand was James's death a surprise. We we don't know mm-hmm. those background details um, or the the circumstances. Like I said in the sermon, it's so it was totally different than Stephen's. That was a two chapter. Unfolding of uh, and and even there you had to kind of put together the what what's what are some of the pieces behind it. We just have one verse on uh, on James. Uh, Herod put James, the brother of John, to death with a sword. <laughs> that's it. There it is. So yeah, was that a wake up call to the church? All we know is that it that that set in good with the Jews. So hey, let's do it to Peter. They arrest Peter, and that's where verse five kicks in. And there is devoted, fervent, consistent prayer being made uh, by the church for Peter. And there was a miraculous release. What's the cause and effect here? We don't know. I mean, one thing we know, I think you can conclude, is that it wasn't the amount of faith or the fervency of their faith. It wasn't anything about the church that made God answer the prayer. Mm-hmm. Because they didn't have much faith. Mm-hmm. So it, it's, you know, it's not like, um, did I have enough faith to pray? You know, where, where's the faith? Uh, I've heard too many stories over the years of, you know, believers, sincere believers questioning now, their questioning God and their walk with God because they were told that if you had enough faith, this mm-hmm. good thing is going to happen to you. And, and it doesn't. And, uh, so. Those are the types of things we want to avoid.
0: So you know, our, my community group—we study the sermon, we wrestle with these things. They wanted me to, to throw a a, a kickback to you. I'm sure of, they did of that potential lack of faith from of from their on their part, of, not on the community group's <laughs> oh. part. No, of the people. You know, so they're always like, we're always bashing the people in the Bible, and the disciples, and their lack of faith, and and this. Could it possibly have been that they? What were they praying for? Were they were they praying for their release? For the release of Peter, and if so, then they had lack of faith, or were they just praying for something else? For you know, what could we give them the benefit of the doubt? Was the community group's potential question fair enough? You know, of of like, yeah, their their shock of Peter being at the door might not have been what they were praying for. Their shock could have been lack of faith. Their shock could have been maybe they just. We're thinking he's going to turn out just like James, and they're praying for themselves. Who knows? Right. So it was just the that was the kickback yeah. to, to think about what yeah. can we can we truly say that they had a lack of faith? I don't know. That was they wanted to throw that out.
1: My answer'd be yes, but because here, here's 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 what I would I would say. Let's say they weren't praying for Peter's release, and they were just praying for the, you know encourage him, strengthen us. As we lose Peter, now Lord made the next, you know, and then all of a sudden he's knocked at the door. Right. That would be a shock right. because they weren't praying for that. My response would be, well, why weren't you praying for that? Hmm. Was it a lack of faith? Did you not? Why not Why would you not pray right. for Peter's release? Because somewhere there must have been a lack of faith then. That, mm-hmm. that, so, mm-hmm. uh, or if they were praying for Peter's release and then they, that's even, and that's kind of the way I was seeing the, the text.
0: The shock and
1: the... Yeah. So either yep. way, if you're not praying for his release, then is that a lack of faith? I mean, what? Hi. It goes to the core of what is prayer and how should we pray? And perfect um,
0: segue because that's where you go in the sermon. Yeah, right. And and yeah. prayer See, being right? a dependence upon God, being really that kind of first key point that you're looking at. And. It's such a unique way of looking at prayer because I feel like in evangelical church today, they use prayer like it's rubbing a genie in the bottle of mm-hmm. what can I get? Yeah. And, and here, what we're seeing out of the passage and what you're teaching is showing us is that it's truly just our communication to God as a dependence upon him. And so if, yeah, I mean, sure, the, the church could have been praying for his release and could have been asking for them for their salvation as well, not to get captured and everything, but hopefully their prayers were... A, a dependence upon a sovereign God. And to
1: their credit, they're
0: praying. Yeah.
1: I mean, so yeah. they, they just didn't yeah. hole up someplace and cry, oh, woe is me.
2: Right.
0: So, yeah,
2: go ahead, Ben. Yeah, no, i, I just thinking about it, I can't remember if you brought this up in your sermon or if I looked at it later, but um, the idea of the Spirit interceding for us in our prayers was helpful to me in, in walking through this passage as well. Because there's a certain sense where, um, I think, to know. I think often we're challenged on on you know we we always pray for things that we want rather than I don't know thanking God for things or praying for His will to be done or you know etc cetera, etc. Cetera. And I think in situations like this I, I put myself in their shoes and I think man Lord there's a certain element of confusion that that brings to me in okay is it is it wrong of me to pray for i want peter to be released even though it very well might be your will that he dies you know what i mean mm-hmm. so there's it, i'm i'm overthinking it to some degree but i think i'm representative of my generation who's hearing a lot of these kind of admonitions on how you should pray um and what that uh, what effect that then has to where to come back to that verse that man the spirit himself intercedes with groanings too deep for mm-hmm, words mm-hmm. that that puts me at ease then that okay lord i'm just going to i'm going to ask for um both <laughs> essentially mm-hmm. and to the best uh, of my knowledge, right. I don't know what to do. Yeah, and let but, the Spirit intercede. So
1: you groan. Yeah. I don't know what to say, but
0: the Spirit groans. Yeah. The same same word. And but. I love how you even shared from the pulpit, Mark, I don't know how this works. Like, there, there is a component of the sovereignty of God and His call for us to pray versus our prayers and and how—it's it, it, just neat for you to say, I'm not sure about this. It, there's this dilemma, and as our human yeah. minds think— Yes, we're called to pray, God wants us to pray, but does God need us to pray? He can still exert his power anytime he wants, mm-hmm. but yet he invites us in. Mm-hmm. There is this unique perspective of the two different roles of, of us as humans and God as God.
1: I think prayer is is one of the things that brings out probably more than anything else the mystery of of God mm-hmm. and humanity, of the sovereign mm. God and mm. the responsibility of man, and the freedom of man to yeah. to, to pray, and I—it's it, a mystery. I think you could conclude that Jesus Christ understood the sovereignty of God uh, more than anyone who's ever walked. In mm. in his humanness, mm-hmm. he understood the sovereignty of God better than anybody, and yet he prayed more than anybody. Mm-hmm. You know he's he's in the Garden of Gethsemane as well as we're going to be remembering uh, this weekend in Good Friday. But he, you know, he prayed, "Not my will, but thine be done." But if Mm -hmm. possible, remove this cup from me. Mm -hmm. And so, so what was Jesus doing when in when those times of prayer when he went away? What was he talking to the Father about? Um, And I think we don't know some of the things we in that particular in the Garden of Gethsemane we do. But I think the emphasis for me in prayer is this whole idea of communion and Mm. fellowship. Mm. I talked about uh, like a grandparent having your little grandkids or your children come up in your lap. And when I put it in those terms for me, the picture of a father, the picture of a grandfather, who who loves um, so deeply and passionately... uh, that little one, you talk about Caleb bringing a little Samuel in this morning. And <laughs> and there was more than pride in the look of that dad. I and mean, mm-hmm. there was just this, this incredible love for this little newborn baby. Um, when you look at it in those terms, and I think God gives us that, that human illustration to remind us of who he is. Mm-hmm. And there are times where as a father... You look, in, or grandfather, you look into the eyes of those little kids, and they're they're begging you, please don't do that, or you know I don't want that to, to happen to me. But you know it's the best thing for them, and so you hold them while they're getting the their shot or their whatever, and uh, um, that's how God works with us. We may not understand mm-hmm. it, but we can still cry out to Him and say, Lord, I don't want this, please change this or whatever, um, but. If we go and understand, as you said a minute ago, that God is good, we understand his character of of love. And I think that's such an overriding characteristic of God, the compassion of God, the love and mercy of God. Um, it draws us into communion and into prayer with him, but it also calms our heart to know that, okay, I, I can trust you in this. And I don't know how it's going to work out. And I don't know what I can do to change it. Or if you want me to, you'll lead me to it. But I, all I can do is just kind of right a groan
0: before you and, and ask for this or pray for that. And that's not only obviously what prayer is. Sure. And, and Jesus is our model. So referring back to him of looking through the gospels and how he interacted with God the Father with specific intentional times of going away to pray, which this is what the the church was doing for Peter in that time. There's the intentionality of praying in a group or on your own out loud or just with God. But then you're referencing also just the constant daily thinking and the thought processes. And I loved how you rattle off five, six, seven different examples of how you can be interacting in your own world on any given day, whether it be the workplace or school or your neighbors or just an interaction. And you're like, okay, God, what what do I do about this? Mm -hmm. You know, or God, show me what to say in this moment. You know, there are those portions of the prayers we don't see in scripture from Jesus, but you know was happening nonstop. Yeah. And that's that moment-to-moment relationship with the Holy Spirit. So there's the different levels of that prayer life that you're constantly in communication with God. Yeah. Constantly having a dialogue with Him. But then there's also the intentional times of maybe gathering with other people for specific times of prayer. Or you know, you know, pray in this moment out loud with your spouse for something. Mm-hmm. Or whatever it might be. You know, So it, there's so many different facets to prayer yeah. that you're saying. It's kind of this mystery of how God is inviting us into the relationship with Him.
1: And I think it does depend how real God is to you. Mm. How we view God. Mm. And again, I can't help but quote again from Tozer, who said, what a man thinks about God is the most important thing about him and will determine the whole course of his life. Yeah. I would add it will determine his whole prayer life. What we think about God and if he is some vending machine or or a rabbit's foot, you know we he'll be a that's
0: how you're viewing God
1: person non grata. Uh, that's your prayer. Uh, we'll call upon him, uh, you know, when we at, at the absolute mm-hmm. need him, mm-hmm. right? Uh, mm-hmm. Or if he is a friend that six closer than a brother, if mm-hmm. he is a father that, if he is um, this compassionate, endearing, good shepherd. Um, then yeah. you, you know you, it's it's our view of God it mm-hmm. infects our view of prayer, not just his sovereignty, but mm-hmm. his compassion, right. his love, all
2: those attributes mm-hmm. i've I've been just slowly kind of reading through the psalms, and David's prayers within those psalms are very telling to me of what that relationship looks like that there was you know there are there are times of plenty and joy. And he's just, you know, he's just celebrating that and celebrating the Lord. And then there's, um, and then there are the times where he's asking for forgiveness. There are the times where he's being chased and he's, you know, persecuted and trying to understand that in light of what the Lord has promised him. And his, uh, his, to me, he's a fantastic example of what you're saying where it was a moment by moment, um, communion with the Lord that wasn't at all dependent on circumstances. Mm-hmm. It was just built into his life that he was, this was his father and mm-hmm. his friend and he was going to, mm-hmm. he was going to talk with him about just about anything.
1: Yeah. He, he was the man after God's own
2: heart. Yeah. Right? yeah.
1: And in one sense, he was the man who pursued after mm. God's heart. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I, again, to the degree that we, Know God, I think that will impact our prayer life. Now that gets a little um, convicting, because I was—I wanted to say that in my sermon. It's—it's it's not like I'm—I am not speaking as an expert on this thing. Mm-hmm. I mean,
2: I—I—I
1: mm-hmm. um, I, I do try to enjoy those ongoing conversations, prayer, you know, just just throughout the day conversations with God like that. Yeah. It's not consistent, and I can be easily swayed by something I hear or something that happens, or, or yeah. you know, the, the moment where, you, you if, if if someone was looking at me, they would think I was a rank pagan, an atheist, <laughs> you know, because like what you know, yeah. if you really believe in God, why would you be acting that way? <laughs> you know, so, uh, it, so it, it keeps driving back to, who, who is God? What do I know about Him to be true? and um then how do I commune with them and that's why I think Jesus had such a powerful prayer life uh, he was from the Father and he was going to return to the Father and he was in essence one with yeah. the Father um, and of course that put him at an advantage over us in those respects yeah. but uh, but he was fully human yeah, yeah so that's right t- being tempted and he set aside and, those divine privileges yeah. and uh, so he can become become a model for that so i, I and I think the early church um was growing in that now they had jesus as a model mm-hmm. the, the disciples did you know teach us to pray even they they would ask because they saw and they witnessed jesus after he ascends to heaven um that they, they are praying they are a praying church mm-hmm. and you see that all over the place um so there there was a and we tie this in a little bit with easter here with with coming up but there was such a reality of a risen Savior. Hmm. Um, I, I sometimes think they probably thought, well, why would we not pray? Hmm. You know, we, we we actually ate with yeah. him and drank with him. Yeah. We put our hands in his nail-pierced hands and side, and, hmm. well, we saw him ascend. So, of course, we're going to talk with him, hmm. and we're going to go to pray with him. Uh, for many Christians, I don't know if God is that real or that.
0: Um, so then we view prayer as a last resort, and you, or you view prayer as like I need these magical things answered for me. And yeah. I think that's <laughs> where the the first Thessalonian pa- first Thessalonians passage you referenced several of them, but you know five seventeen of praying without ceasing mm-hmm. is that 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 is a true example of that constant communication with God. And I think prayer for me is one of the more practical ways to display of walking by the spirit. The, mm-hmm. the, the phrase walking in the spirit is this nebulous term sometimes of like what, you know, walking the spirit versus mm-hmm. walking in the flesh. Well, that, if you think of it in terms of prayer, maybe that's a little more tangible uh, thing that you can realize and say, oh, that's what it really means and looks like is that constant communication yeah. with God and that constant uh, dependence upon him yeah. and that constant recognizing he's the one in charge. And so to me, that's actually, oh. A little eye-opening to say, okay, if you think of walking by the spirit of the, this praying without ceasing,
1: mm-hmm.
0: now now you're starting to make some headway of yeah. what does that really look like.
1: And, and I think that's such an important role for parents in raising their kids is to um, give that kind of God perspective perspective. Uh, And start young like that. I mean, all three of us were fortunate to be raised in Christian homes, and and that was invaluable. I'm sure you're seeing a lot of times in uh, your age group or your generation, maybe there are people who have not been grown, have not had that input. So they're coming in at 20, 23, 25, coming to Christ, having no background to who this God is. So I'm sure, you know, it makes me wonder what their prayer life then. how how to catch that up.
2: More so i'm seeing people who grew up in christian homes oh. where that was not a value it was it was a very transactional uh, approach to i mean it, in some ways it's it's no better than any other religion where you've got to earn you know earn your keep to some degree earn it to stay in or earn it to prove that you're in or etc cetera, etc cetera. And a lot of my friends are coming from those kinds of homes where there wasn't really a relationship with the Lord that was obvious and alive. It was more of a, um, yeah, it was a transactional thing. You did all the right things and you said all the right things and made sure that the stuff that didn't look great doesn't get out and then mm-hmm. you're doing okay. So now they're coming into difficulties and there's no precedent um set for them to know even what it looks like to have a relationship with the Lord let alone to know that like like you can you can take this passage and if you have a a proper theology that says God is loving he's good whatever he does is good because that's the essence of his character well then you can approach death and things like that from that paradigm, right? It doesn't make it necessarily easier in terms of grieving, mm-hmm. but you have hope in the midst of that. A lot of my friends now, there's no there's no hope in their approach to the Lord because he is just some kind of ethereal being that plays with us in a sandbox to some degree. Mm-hmm. And I would say largely that's because their their parents were not... I don't think their parents had that kind of relationship with the Lord, mm-hmm. according to them. So this kind of thing is very, very foreign to a lot of yeah.
0: them. Yeah. Now you're making me feel guilty. I'm like, wow, what did I do with my kids and yeah. didn't model it well? <laughs> I them, know. You know? It, like, this <laughs>
2: is it's. I yeah. There's there's
1: no perfect solution to it. I can remember talking with my uh, son who was working with some high school kids and and uh, was trying to get them to pray uh, it, after the Bible study and. They just couldn't, they yes. was, they couldn't do it. Mm-hmm. And so it was a little, well, one kid started, and, and then you know, the next five repeated the very same prayer that he did. It was kind of like, okay, hold sure. a timeout. timeout. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, how, just what would you say to me? And let's see. So over a period of weeks, it started. And then one kid um, broke down and had something he was going through that week mm. and opened up with sincerity mm. and cried out to God. Mm-hmm. And it opened the door. And these other guys began to do that too. Right. Um, so it also is it's it, it can be modeled. It, it needs yeah. to, at the parent level. It needs to be modeled. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, we're sadly we are so self-sufficient in our world. Mm-hmm. Well, we'll just throw some money at it, or we'll fix it. We'll fix it. Mm-hmm. And uh, I'm sure if we talked with believers like uh, in a couple of weeks, uh, Scott McManagle and Jim Poole will be going to yeah. Nigeria. Yeah. And boy, I bet they have f- vibrant prayer times yeah. mm-hmm. uh, because they are they're, they have no solutions yeah. other than God, mm-hmm. just like this church did. Mm-hmm. And even with the little faith they had, um, if we take that approach, I mean, there was no hope for Peter. There were four mm-hmm. squads of soldiers that were keeping up, and the, humanly speaking. Um, but God delights yeah. to somehow show his glory mm-hmm. in things that are totally humanly impossible. Yep.
2: I I think to some degree like it's a discipleship issue that you're talking about, right? Mm-hmm. With your son and those and those guys. And I think that is to put on my worship team hat for a minute. I think that's some of the value that we're trying to model in corporate prayer that that you know, you're you're in essence setting an example for this is these are are the kinds of things that we're asking the Lord for. These are the kinds of things that we're thanking the Lord for Mm -hmm. and celebrating, and we're doing that all together. I think there's a huge value in that being an avenue, the body assembling together and and praying together like Mm -hmm. they did um, for Peter, Uh, and in small groups as well, probably even more so because you're more personal in that capacity, right, and more Mm -hmm. able to communicate specific heart needs and, and share in that with other people. But I really think that, that a large part of learning this kind of stuff, at least for me was, was watching my dad. Mm -hmm. It's not even that he, I mean, he was intentional in, in teaching those things, but he just did it. Mm -hmm. And so the more that, and my mom too, man, she, she has, she's got the whole closet with, you know, all her Bible verses. And it's not that, you know, most people don't know that, but she just, she'll go and sit in there for Mm -hmm. hours at a time and... And
1: Three walls dedicated to you.
2: Oh, (laughs) you have no idea, man. Yeah. Yeah. I, man, I really just am appreciative uh, that they pursued the Lord in that way because of what it's taught me now, even in marriage of praying for each other and the stuff Mm. that, that Ash and I are dealing with on a daily basis. We both have... Uh, parents who discipled us in that way, mm-hmm. intentionally and unintentionally, yeah. and grandparents, yeah, that, yeah, that yeah, pray, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm.
1: and yeah. um, that's a, you know those type those types of legacies are <clears throat> huge. Are they're huge? We have to realize that so many uh, in our circles, in Christian circles, don't have that, did not mm-hmm. grow up with that, mm-hmm. yeah, and so all the more to disciple in these things of prayer. Right. It's it's fun to read mm-hmm. these stories like Acts twelve. To see that unfold. Um, but, you know, there, there are real life situations that we're going through today, and we need to work with each other and help each other and disciple each other to pray without ceasing, to pray devotedly, to continually devote ourselves to yeah. prayer and understand who it is that we're praying to. To remember to lean on God and not ourselves. That's right. And as I brought out in the message at the end, the bookend, bookend stories with, with Herod who thought he was king, mm. we're praying to the king. Mm. And there's something peaceful and,
0: and uh, wonderful to know about that, that uh,
1: he, he is king.
0: Yeah, I was gonna ask you about that. We're getting short on time, but yes, we've been talking mostly about the prayer component of the sermon, but there is that book ending. How did, how did you really see the Palm Sunday component? of the of the morning fall in line with yeah. this passage because you, you brought it around and yes the, yeah, well, the and Herod being king but the yeah. earthly king didn't work out well for him.
1: No uh, you know as I was and this goes back laying out this whole series on Acts um, and I, I did something that it's hard to do for me but I, I did try to lay out months in advance mm-hmm. how can we break down these stories and this the journey of Acts and I knew we would be somewhere around this time, uh, around Palm Sunday, and when I came across that chapter twelve, that's Palm Sunday. I mean, that's perfect. That hmm. there, there. So it was, it was just the way it was ordered and constructed, and probably a God thing that laid that all out. But uh, you can't miss it, especially when verse one talks about now about that time Herod the king. <laughs> And, yeah. and, and then it closed with this Herod the king being eaten by worms uh, and dying because he did not give God glory. You can't help but think of the disciples who cried out, blessed is the king who comes in the name of the Lord on that first Palm Sunday mm-hmm. and glorified his name. And then the people who turned their back. And the sad reality is Herod becomes a picture of the people of Israel because mm-hmm. 40 years later, that's exactly what happened. They are struck yeah. down. Josephus says I think over a million, million point one Jews are butchered in Jerusalem. I mean, of the Romans mm-hmm. at the so, um, yeah. It's, it was it just
0: fit nicely. It's, it's neat. not the whole Palm Sunday theme. Give us a little uh, preview of what's to come for this weekend. Do we stick with Acts for Easter, or is is there something separate? Well, like what, where what, are we going we... with uh, the Easter? Uh, weekend.
1: Well, just real quickly, you know, one of the things that clearly stands out in Acts is the power of the resurrection truth hmm. that empowered and motivated the disciples. And look, if we, if we had a visitation of the Lord tonight in a bodily form, and he would say the same to us, here, go ahead, Mark, put your fingers in, in my nail print hands, you know, and, and, and sit down for an hour Conversation with a risen Lord. Um, do you think it might change our trajectory in terms mm. of how we're going mm. to witness to people, how we're going to live life? Mm. Um, now, we don't have that physical manifestation. The disciples did, mm. and potentially 500 of the early church, it said he appeared to 500 at one time. Um, hundreds of these people, of the stories we're reading, mm. had that encounter of a risen Savior no wonder the book of acts is that the church grew and they had the boldness and the prayer and all these things so on so so the resurrection truth is a powerful motivator to to live out our calling uh, as a christian life so i want to tie Mm -hmm. some of that stuff in with acts Mm -hmm. in broad strokes um in
0: the short time that we have neat i'm looking forward to it so just for what it's worth let me recap what you're looking at this coming weekend. So, on Good Friday, there are two services: 11 o'clock and 7 o'clock. Um, they'll be just over an hour long. So, come expecting a time of reflection, a time of looking in the past and how God set out the the template for the shedding of blood, um, and how cross and how Christ on the cross really fulfilled that. It's going to be a neat time. And the 11 o'clock has... 11 o'clock has children's ministry uh, for nursery nursery and preschool. preschool. Yes. And between those times, you can come up to the fireside room and uh, have additional time of personal reflection. The uh, paintings from Jack Cribbs, our former elder, um, just uh, are going to be there. And it's going to be a neat time of just reflecting yourself personally on the seven last words of Christ. And so you can see the paintings and you can see... um, Uh, uh, some devotionals that donned in Hartog, our former pastor of biblical education put together for us.
1: So if I want to come at 415 or drive by at 430, I can
0: just pop in. Doors are open, pop in, head upstairs to the fireside room and just take those moments to yourself. So anytime between those two services, that'll be available. Good Friday. Okay. Um, Easter um, for you FSAT crowd. um, That's the standard time of five o'clock with a potluck dinner afterwards. And then Sunday morning, Resurrection Sunday, you've got... Four services, 8 o'clock, 9.30, and 11, with also 11 o'clock downstairs for Fellowship 3. Um, it's going to be a packed house. So come early, grab your seats, bring a friend, continue to talk about um, just those people who are your 1-1-1 prayer friends for building bridges, bring them, because this is going to be an amazing opportunity to experience the gospel and see it and lived out amongst a bunch of believers in the same room together. It's going to be a yeah. great celebration. Yeah. So looking forward to it. Ben, yeah. thanks for being here today. Mark, yeah. thank you. Both of you guys taking times out of your busy schedules. Um, so, so guys, as we prepare and continue to live out our lives here for this Easter season, you know, just take those times to see God. Take those opportunities to, to pray, to reflect on Him, and, uh, and you never know what God's going to do. He'll show up. So the fact of the matter, guys, is that sermons are not meant just to take an hour but rather transform a lifetime until next week much love and god bless